Hour Radio presents Out of the Fog. Join intuitive guide and spiritual teacher Karen Hager for lively, positive conversation with lightworkers, healers, and dynamic wisdom keepers. Get ready for inspiration and connection. This is Out of the Fog on Empower Radio. Here's your host, Karen Hager. Hello and welcome to Out of the Fog. I'm Karen Hager. Each week at this time, we gather for spiritual conversation with enlightening guests, and I'm glad you're here. Eating disorders affect more than 30 million people of all ages and all genders in the United States. And eating disorders also have the highest mortality rate of any mental illness. On today's show, we'll be talking about the connection between body, self, and the healing power of nature. My guest is Kristen Ailes, whose passion for inspiring recovery from disordered eating and a new sense of body positivity led her to create community and outdoor adventures for those who are affected by eating disorders. Are you ready to meet her? Kristen Ailes holds her MA in clinical mental health counseling with an emphasis in wilderness therapy. She found healing from disordered eating through her work as an outdoor adventure guide. Her personal experience and education has inspired her to create Wild and Weightless, a community that promotes recovery and body positivity through outdoor experiences. You can find out more about Kristen and her work at wildandweightless.com. Kristen, welcome to Out of the Fog. Hello. (laughs) Hello. I'm glad you're here. Uh, Could we start by you saying as much as you want to about your own journey, how you came to this work? Yeah, um, it is definitely a huge adventure, I guess I would say. I um, I was really lucky enough to grow up in Santa Cruz, California, which is a really beautiful um, environment. There's the ocean and, and redwoods. And um, when I was younger, I went to a private school where we spent most of our time playing in the woods, um, climbing trees, and, you know, exploring different parts of, of the environment. And I was there until basically fifth grade. And in fifth grade, my, my family kind of made like a little bit of a, a switch and I ended up going to a different public school. And so at this time I was used to spending, I don't know, probably like six hours outdoors every day playing and, and then went into public school where all of a sudden everything is swapped or I spent all of my time sitting in a desk and had come home after school. And instead of my mom being around all the time, she was off working. And so it was my dad. And, and so at the time, I didn't really have any direction. And so I went to food. Um, and so from about fifth grade to the middle of high school, the only constant I really had was food. And so I would come home and, and kind of binge eat. I would eat, you know, cookies and cartons of ice cream. And, and it was the only thing that I really found comforting because I no longer had the tools of going outside. Um, at this point in my life, I, I really didn't understand what was going on. But um, now that I look back, I can see that binge eating was definitely like a, a form of coping from not being in the wilderness. Um, and so for me, after until about the middle of high school, I had gained a lot of weight. I was probably around 280, 300 pounds, um, which for me was very heavy. And I would go to school every day and just um, be, be teased pretty relentlessly. And um, 
and it was something that really wore on me. It was not only, you know, I wanted to hide and, and kind of disappear, but it was really hard to be at school and have my eating disorder be so public and be so made fun of all the time. Um, there was one, one day when I got made fun of in front of the entire school during an assembly. Um, and that felt very, very shameful. Um, and, and so at that point I, I had started dieting, um, and my mom was trying to help me and getting me on a like a really clean eating path. And as soon as I started losing weight, I started gaining a lot of, um, positive attention and, and people started treating me better. And, and so from, from losing a healthy amount of weight, I, I started just restricting completely and ended up dropping a lot of weight very, very quickly in a very unhealthy way. Um, and from that, my, my relationship with food has been very skewed where I notice that people give me more positive attention when I'm thinner, but if I need comfort, then I would go to food and binge. And so a lot of my life has been this up and down. Um, and that kind of stuck with me throughout most of my college experience where I joined a sorority and I got really skinny or, you know, I would gain, if me and my boyfriend were having troubles, I would eat a lot. Um, and that kind of went on and on throughout my college experience as well. And I moved up to San Francisco and still at 22, these issues were n- never really addressed. Um, it was something that I never really talked about. It was very obvious, I think, to so many people that food and eating habits were something that I really struggled with. But I think I was so afraid of talking about it that everyone else was also very afraid of reaching out and making connection. Um, eating disorders are very isolating. And I was isolating myself in ways that I look back and I I just wish I could hold little me (laughs) and make connection. Um, And so... I think the major shift for me was I uh, left my relationship and my time in San Francisco and I ended up working at an outdoor school back in Santa Cruz. And, and what outdoor school is, is you take out fifth and sixth graders and you teach them about redwood trees and you take them on hikes and you get them excited about exploring and being outside. And so I found myself working back in the redwoods and exploring every day and getting dirty and going on hikes you know, the same way that I was prior to my eating disorder. And so I kind of found this childlike, you know, presence within me that didn't really care about food. I like would eat trail mix because it would give me energy to teach and talk about trees and like be playful. Um, And so before, before you knew it, I was, you know, leading these trips, but then also like starting to climb and take skiing seriously because it was these things that set me alive in ways that I hadn't even remembered how to feel that way since I was little. And, um, yeah. And so I just kept on my work with outdoor guiding and grew grew in that. And then, um, ended up going back to to graduate school to get my master's in, in wilderness therapy, which led me to wild weightless. That's one of the things that I'm hearing just as you share your story was the ways in which you, dealt with that hunger for the outside, that when the outside was taken away from you, that that hunger for the outside manifested in those very different, very extreme ways. And I don't know if I'd ever thought of before 
about how our connection with nature is something that we long for, that we can viscerally miss in that way. You know what I'm mm-hmm. getting at? Completely. And it's, and it's so funny. It's like until you, I feel really lucky for my education. It was very experiential. So I did a lot of looking back and like really realizing that, wow, like at that time I was hungry for something and something was missing from my life. And at the time I had no idea that nature was what it was. Um, but now I really make sure that it's a part of my daily life. For people who are in recovery or who are seeking recovery from eating disorders, how can those outdoor experiences be helpful and and also, what is kind of safe and appropriate? Because one of the things about, at least in my experience of eating disorders, is that an eating disorder can skew your vision so much that you don't know what's appropriate or safe for you to do anymore because all you mm-hmm. can see is, the, is this kind of raging disorder within you. So talk a little bit about how people who are in recovery can be outdoors and in a, in a way that, that maximizes their healing. Mm. I think that's a really beautiful question. Um, I think, I think learning how to maybe be in a part of a outdoor community. I think community is key in, in so many parts of recovery in the outdoors is, um, well, one, community keeps us safe. Um, community can keep us accountable for, you know, like if our knots, if we're climbing and making sure our knots are tied or if we're going up into avalanche terrain, like making sure that we're checking the snow. Like community is something you always want to have more eyes on you and um, they can be having like a hiking partner to remind you to have a snack and to drink all the water that you need is, is key. And so I think... In this case, I think that finding someone that you can talk to and having community um, within the outdoors is very important. And when I started Wild and Weightless, community was one of the things that I really wanted to manifest. Um, kind of like we had talk- I had said before that eating disorders are so isolating. Um, and that by having a community where you can talk about it kind of openly and feel less shame, like knowing that these people will understand and like know that you might not be having a good day and like you might need extra support and they're not going to try and fix it. Um, And so I think in terms of recovery and, and going into something that might be skewed perception, I think having a buddy there who might know your story and your journey and might, might not push you too far is, is very important. Well, and that idea too—that's that's really interesting because that idea too that out the outdoor adventure or the being in wilderness or allowing yourself to receive whatever that is—that gift of nature or that sense of being small in something much bigger than than yourself—that that's not to fix it; that it is instead maybe a different kind of mirror. Oh, completely. I think um, I think one of the greatest things about the outdoors is that it teaches you how to be in your body in a different way rather than um, you, you experience it in a completely different sense. You know, like you're out there and you're 
you're experiencing all the five different senses. And instead of just standing in front of a mirror, kind of like, you know, you're not just visually seeing yourself, you, you experience your body for, for all that it can do, you know? And so you gain a, a different um, sense of gratitude for, for what your body can do for you. And it brings you back into your own sense of power too. Um, because eating disorder and, and other, I mean, other, other mental illnesses, other challenges that we have psychological and otherwise can lead to that kind of feeling of helplessness. What can I accomplish? I can't get out of this, but boy, when you have climbed the rock face, you know, you've done something. (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I think that, you know, being outside, it challenges you in a way that is different. Um, I think in the darkest times of my eating disorder, and I'm sure this resonates with other women, but there's like this challenge of only eating a certain amount of calories or being on the treadmill for a certain amount of time. And um, these challenges feel really unhealthy. And so one of the, how I've seen um, eating disorders and the outdoors kind of work together is is that it gives clients a, a new way to challenge themselves where they're, they want to eat food that is extremely nourishing and they want to build muscle so they can challenge themselves to get to the top of a climb or a mountain or, you know, surf that wave. Wow. And in order to do that, they have to challenge themselves in a new way that is healthier. You're listening to Out of the Fog with Karen Hager. My guest is Kristen Ailes. She's the founder of Wild and Weightless, a transformative community offering outdoor adventures for women who are changing the way they look at their bodies, changing the way they look at their lives. You can get details about Kristen and her work at wildandweightless.com. Now, on that website at wildandweightless.com, I sat for a long time last night just looking at the videos, watching the women and, and hearing their stories. There's enormous power in sharing story um, in a place where you know it's safe for you to be heard. So how does Wild and Weightless build that community? Mm-hmm. I think for me, one of the reasons why I started Wild and Weightless was about this time about last year I was feeling... Uh, really isolated myself and I, I started noticing that I was having some of the same habits come back and a lot of the negative thoughts. Um, and I would go onto social media, things like Instagram and Facebook, and I would be looking at my outdoor community and just seeing, you know, all these really happy people and they're, they're great. And I applauded their happiness but at the same time. It made me feel more alone. <laughs> and so for me, I was looking for a place where I could, you know, celebrate the outdoors, yes, like all my friends were, but also talk about how I was struggling and kind of reach out and make connection and and know that I'm not alone in feeling insecure or, or feeling like I might be having a, a point of struggle. And so I created Wild and Weightless because I was in need of creating community. And what I got was really overwhelming so many people, you know, connecting with me and being like, wow, I feel the same way. And being outside does help me. Like maybe we can get together and, you know, go on a hike and talk about this. And so it's just kind of created this thing that's like snowballed (laughs) where now I have women who go out and meet up and go on hikes and they'll talk about, you know, their insecurities in a way that is productive rather than um, self-destructive. 
What kind of adventures does Wild and Weightless offer? If you guys go and look at those videos at wildandweightless.com, you seem to be skiing down sheer mountain faces and climbing things and boating. What all have you done? What do you offer? <laughs> um, most recently, I teamed up with a company called She Moves Mountains, and they're an all-women rock climbing guiding company. And so we met up in Bend, Oregon, and went to Smith Rock State Park, and we did a clinic where we combined, like, beginning climbing courses with um, creating, like, a safe space where we could talk about our bodies and, and how like what lessons we wanted to take away from a rock climbing experience. Right now I'm very focused on creating, um, turning Wild and Weightless into a nonprofit so I can start providing more adventures that would maybe look like skiing and surfing or things that I really want to do. And I'm, I'm saying that a little selfishly because those are my favorite things to do. But, <laughs> um, but what I envision is doing things like multi-day backpacking trips, more rock climbing and skiing and surfing, definitely. And you have, you've given yourself a pretty big challenge. I said at the beginning of the, of the show that 30 million Americans of all ages and descriptions are living with eating disorders. You gave yourself a pretty hefty challenge to bring awareness to that statistic. Can you say, uh, I'm in awe of you. Can you say more about that? <laughs> um. In, you know, in, in terms of taking this on, I, I've never thought about it like that way, Karen. <laughs> I, it's something that I honestly did because it was something, it was help that I needed. Um, and I especially see that within the outdoor community is there's so many um, outdoor enthusiasts who I think are struggling and that's kind of where I was. Um, and I really wanted to shed light that, like, yes, we can be really strong and powerful and get to the top of the mountains, and it's also okay to be vulnerable. Um, and that's something that I really, a message that I want to promote, is that it's okay to be both strong and powerful, and it's okay to feel things, too. And, and so I wanted to be a space for that. Um, I think my education and the way that I grew up uh, having emotions was always something that was very welcome. And I'm so thankful for that. And I think a lot of people are taught that they can't talk about what makes them feel bad. And so for me, I, I felt, you know, that I had the time and the resources and, and thought that if anybody's going to do it, it might as well be me because nobody else is. <laughs> you set yourself that goal of summiting 30 peaks for the 30 million Americans who are suffering from eating disorders, 30 peaks. And I'm assuming you don't mean like that little hill in the backyard, right? <laughs> how, how are you doing no. with that? How, how will you do that? How close are you to completing that goal? And what's next? Awesome. Um, I'm at about 25 peaks. Wow. 25 exactly, actually, which has been great. I went on um, a little bit of a road trip starting in August where I, you know, started in the Sierra Nevadas and then went over to Idaho and Montana and Wyoming. And now I'm back in Bend where I live and I've just been, you know, hiking peaks, which has been really, really wonderful. It keeps me um, centered with the goals that I'm trying to reach um, of raising money to do this. And, 
being out there kind of like clears my head of, of any sort of doubt. I think trying to start a nonprofit, it can be a very scary undertaking. And then I go out and I start climbing and all of a sudden I feel extremely confident again. And I get inspired to keep going and keep moving. Um, and so right now I'm about 25 and I'm going back down to California for Thanksgiving, which I'm very excited about. One, to see my family. And two, because the mountains won't be completely covered in snow like they are right now. So I've had to put my put my um, goal on pause just for like a couple of weeks because all of a sudden I woke up and all the mountains are covered in snow and I don't have any of my gear. Wow. Oh, my gosh. And that idea, you said starting a nonprofit is a little bit scary, but you get your confidence back from the outdoors. That goes back into that bigger thing that we're talking about, making at least as I've experienced, making change in your life can be a little bit scary. As I see it, that fear is something to be honored. Fear says something important is happening here. Look here, you're getting close to the edge. Pay attention. And it's what we do as we carry that fear that really can create lasting change. So I love you and I don't want you to suffer, but I'm glad you're a little scared about creating a nonprofit (laughs) because it means you're going to rock it and then take over the world. Because that fear, and you probably say this to people who get in the ropes, for example, and are afraid to climb, or get in the kayak and are afraid to roll, you you probably are saying the same kind of thing to them. Definitely. You know, I think that fear fear teaches us, like, a a lot about ourselves, and on one hand, it keeps us safe, especially in the outdoors. You don't want to push yourself to a point where, you know, you feel unsafe, and fear is a really good indicator of, like, ooh, okay. But then, you know, if you, if you know that you're safe, which I, I do know I'm safe most of the time, <laughs> fear can, you know, and pushing through fear can really teach you what, you know, what you're capable of. And you can surprise yourself all the time. And so I think the outdoors is a really good tool of, of finding confidence. Yes, in the outdoors, of finding confidence back in your normal life as you're trying to do larger things and make change. What would you like? to share with somebody listening maybe who is coming to a realization that he or she is living in a disordered eating pattern that is now negatively affecting them and they're ready to start to reach out but don't know what what to do. What would you say to them? Hmm. I think the biggest thing um, is, to, is to make connection. I think that's really that the isolation of eating disorders is, is something that that's really what takes over our lives is, you know, you start to realize that you're not going out with friends or you are very secretive about what you're eating and that can be restrictive or binging. Um, and so I think making connection with somebody that you do feel safe with, and that doesn't have to be family or friends. Maybe that's somebody that you heard on a radio show or you heard or you saw on the internet. I think that, sending a message um, of just like telling them where you're at you'll be really important um, because the more we expose our eating disorder, like the less uh, it can't, it, it doesn't have a lot of space to breathe. You know, we kind of like have to suffocate it with the light. You know, I kind of think of it as like a little monster <laughs> who doesn't like to be exposed and like doesn't like to see the light. And so I think that, making connection um, in whatever way you feel safe is, is the most important. How can listeners support your work? 
That's a great question. I would go to wildandweightless.com, and there you can um, watch the videos that you've talked about. You can read all the stories of people who have reached out. You can also donate to the cause. Right now I'm trying to raise money so I can create a pilot program um, for the nonprofit, and so you can go and watch the videos. I I love making videos. (laughs) And then there's a little donation page that you can go to and donate, and we have a lot of fun prizes like stickers and T-shirts and raffles. Um, and so I would just go to wildandweightless.com. Wonderful. Kristen, thank you so much for being on the program. Awesome. Thank you. You're very welcome. That's Kristen Ailes. She's the co-founder of Wild and Weightless. You can find out more about Kristen, about her challenge to summit 30 peaks for the 30 million Americans who are living with eating disorders. You can donate to help make Wild and Weightless a nonprofit. All that's available to you, along with all those videos and stories and everything else, at wildandweightless.com. And, of course, I always invite you to check out my website, karenhager.com. Book a session, take a class, find out what's coming up next on the radio show. Email me if you like, Karen, at karenhager.com. You're welcome there anytime. And thank you for listening today. Together we are spreading a little more light in the world. And a little more light is always a good thing. Until next time, I'm wishing you peace. Peace.